Hey, hey, welcome back, hey. everyone. It's been a minute. Uh, our semi-regular podcast watching <laughs> episodes show. <laughs> Something like that. I am I am uh, freshly shorn and feeling definitely not baby smooth because hooray for five o'clock shadows 24 hours later. Uh, it's like sandpaper, I swear. Um, yeah, uh, but the it, it, it's been a little bit. We've, we've had a couple of things going on for us in... Back in the real world, not able to go dive into this lovely little uh, dystopian fiction universe of the Expanse. We have our own dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, we do. And now, you know, it's we're we're now living in the era of uh, the not quite post-pandemic, but some people think it's post-pandemic, and it's kind of weird. Like, yeah, like they just they just sent around that note uh, from Cal OSHA. Uh, they've officially updated it, so now everybody can go maskless everywhere all the time if you are vaccinated. I don't know if that's uh, does that apply for, well, for buses yet or no? Because that's uh, that's a federal government gotcha. uh, regulates mass transit. So no, but and anyways, like personally, I'm always wearing a mask on public transit because y'all are fucking disgusting. <laughs> like I'm just I'm just gonna say that like people in large groups are gross and. The next time I'm trapped on a bus with y'all, I'm, I'm wearing a mask, like, forever and all time. And honestly, I think it's for the better. Like, two to three strains of flu went dead forever. Like, extinct, no longer endemic, because people weren't passing the fucking flu around, because people were wearing masks and washing their hands. So, be cleaner. I mean, yeah, but Jesus, what a cost for that. Um, but uh, anyway, Logan, how, 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 are things, uh, how are things going for you? Going pretty well. I lost my voice this week because I was at game four of Clippers Jazz and I lost it by the first half. Nice. So I have been slowly getting my voice back just for this. Well, uh, congratulations on that one. I, I did. I, I was driving back from work today and I saw that the uh, public parking for the Staples Center trucks are back out and about with their giant lit up billboards with the Clippers logo on it. So. Uh, Los Angeles is truly healing. You can yep, once again are at pay full capacity tonight forty dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all. This is all bad. It's all very <laughs> bad. Just based on based on the vaccination rates in LA County, um, uh, that's the, uh... <laughs> more than half of that crowd is probably not vaccinated. So oh, cool, Jesus. <laughs> and we know that most of the cops, if there's any cops in that crowd, they're definitely not vaccinated because no none of them are getting the jab uh anyway (laughs) yeah bushido how are you yeah so uh so before yeah i'm doing well um i've had you know a lot of uh work and then some unscheduled break from work in which i stayed productive um but i was gonna say uh let's uh let's go ahead and kick it off right to space news because there's a lot of space news because there's a lot of space <laughs> so a lot of a lot of news happens in space because it's a really lot. really big there's, there's been a shocking like, amount. Well, so, well we've also been gone for a month so we're not going to cover it all like well, we're not yeah. going to cover the chinese space station because that's kind of cool we're not going to cover the fact that like there are like four missions to venus planned in the next few years we're not going to cover the fact that like nasa is building a gigantic fuck off rocket to take us to the moon um we're briefly going to touch on the fact that jeff bezos is is launching himself into space and i just want to say chris it must be a supreme vote of no confidence that your boss never trusted your technology enough to take that same ride that elon was never like strap me to one of those rockets i'm going up boys no no 
Well, he was always like, who's a, okay, who's a sucker okay. that's going to go for me? <laughs> who's the sucker that NASA's going to pay all this money to go send up in, bef- before I do? Exactly. Well, he could have done it for free. So, so, I mean, I guess he could have. But here, here's the thing. Um, Bezos' mission is such a bullshit thing. Like, he's literally going to be up there for, I think, 15 minutes he doesn't even go like into in, even Elon Musk has been to space for zero minutes. So. I mean, fair, but like, I mean, is what Bezos doing like any different from just the vomit comet? No, it's just higher. It's the same shit. Yeah. It's, yeah. But it's not even a parabolic. It's literally you just go up, you kiss the Carmen line, you go slightly beyond it and you go, hey, we're in space. Then you just fall. It's you go 100 kilometers straight up. You go 100 kilometers straight down. That's it. But again, Elon Musk has traveled zero kilometers vertically on any of the stuff that SpaceX built. And I, just, I think that's just saying a lot about what he thinks well, of the people he's hired. Because if he really had faith in it, I, he would do more than launch his car into space. He would probably be in that car. I think it would be really funny if while Bezos is up there, Mackenzie Scott gives away another billion dollars of his money. <laughs> well, technically it's her money. Yeah. That would be very funny. <laughs> but, uh, but what I did want to talk about, there's one story that I found kind of interesting um, that's kind of like more theoretical, but we've had a lot of like uh, research into dark matter and uh, dark energy that's been coming out. That's like some cool stuff. And obviously like with The Expanse, they touch on it a little bit because it's more hard sci-fi. They try and stick to the science that we know, not the science that we think we know within certain bounds. Obviously the protomolecule is not based <laughs> in science we know, but where they've, what uh, the story that caught my eye this week was that scientists like I, I believe we talked about this or maybe not. Maybe we just talked about it casually, Chris, uh, that they've discovered black holes. They're like way older than black holes should be, because technically a black hole is supposed to come from a collapsing massive star. And for a star to like grow big and then like collapse, you have to have a lot of conditions be met. And like the universe has to be like a couple billion years old. Right. Like it takes a while yeah, to get to the point where you're making a star, a star big enough dying. But if you have supermassive black holes and you have galaxies that exist a billion years into the universe, which, you know, the universe right now is 13 billion years old. And that's, you know, not, you know, one billion years isn't that much time on a cosmological scale. But you shouldn't have galaxies forming a billion years after the Big Bang. That shouldn't be possible. You should just have a bunch of, like, diffuse matter floating around until it all gets pulled together by gravity into galaxies. So now the thinking or at least some of the the, um, evidence and theory is pointing to the idea that the first galaxies and thus the first supermassive black holes, because you need a supermassive black hole to hold a galaxy together, were formed by pockets of dark matter that collapsed in on themselves. And basically dark matter got trapped by gravity and would fight against it until it got so hot that it basically imploded and created this massive gravity well that then pulled in all the dust and the gas and the the matter that existed in the its local part part of the universe and created the first like proto galaxies the first galaxies that we see in like the Hubble deep field telescope video or views um, because again like when you see one of those uh, views of like Hubble where it's looking back uh, you know 13 billion years or it's looking at something that's 13 billion years away it's actually only looking at things that are like six or seven billion years old because of like the expansion of the universe and how light travels so. We probably can't see the earliest galaxies, like ones that existed a billion years ago, but based on the ones we see that are slightly less old than that, we surmise that galaxies existed for a while based on their state of development. So 
we're kind of coming to all new interesting ideas about the way that the universe works, uh, which don't make sense with the standard model that we've put together, um, which is, I guess, another reason why Jeff Bezos maybe shouldn't trust so much in his ability to go up and then come down. Because, you know, like Newton said, like, you can throw a ball up a hundred times, but are you absolutely positively sure that it's coming down the hundred I mean, first time? T fair, but from my perspective, I, I uh, so truth be told, I did interview at uh, Blue Origin um, many, 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 many moons ago. I'm trying to remember exactly what year it was. I want to, I think, I think it was like 20, ooh, 2016, maybe 2017. Um but yeah, I um, let's just say I wouldn't be strapping myself to anything that they were building uh, based off of yeah. what I saw back then, um, because it, 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 it took a while from that the point at which they were compared to where we were when I was at, started at SpaceX to get to the point where people are uh, safely strapping in and being launched up to the space station. And, you know, I, he is plowing tons and tons and tons of his own money into that development. Uh, every year. So there, my understanding is he's plowing a billion dollars of his own money to fund Blue Origin every single year. Is that is everything yeah. all right there, Logan? Fireworks in okay. North Hollywood. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I um, yeah, maybe he hired a whole bunch of people uh, that were uh, very, very good at their jobs that came in and, and changed things up. But I was not... Uh, I would not be uh, their 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 trajectory, as it were, was not inspiring my confidence. But that's that's just my opinion, and uh, don't hold me to it. Um, but let's see. I mean, fair I, enough. I'm, yeah, it's uh, space flight's risky. It's inherently risky, um, and uh, you know, fingers crossed that nothing goes wrong for Bezos and his brother. <laughs> I mean, again, it is. They're just literally going up and back down. It's not that complicated. Isn't there like a it's mystery passenger who spent like $20 million $28 million. Um, I'm, I'm very not, curious to know who is that insane I, person. I'm really hoping that it's like we get a surprise and they like pop out of the, the capsule door uh, you know, after they've landed and we get to find out who this mystery person is. I have no idea, but we should start a betting pool uh, to figure out like what your what your what Just your get, best guess for who the who the billionaire is that decided to pony up twenty eight million <laughs> to ride Just with do Bezos Jerry Lawler bros. WWE style fireworks come off. <laughs> Bug on oh, it's like, Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> they fucking hate well, each like, other. Uh, There's no way that they would strap into a little capsule together for 15, 20 minutes. What? Uh, <laughs> But like Lance Bass, he only paid or Lance Bass, I don't know, is it Bass, is it Bass, whatever. The guy from NSYNC, uh, he only paid like what, four million dollars to fly with the Russians that one um, time? Like I thought it wasn't it wasn't twenty eight million dollars worth, but I, he no, only I, paid a couple million. So I, I feel the, like when the Russians were flying people, I thought it was like twelve to fourteen. Um Maybe, but that's still significantly less than twenty eight million dollars. And it takes you to either the oh, I think those were all taking you to the space station which is way, way cooler than going on Bezos' little pop rocket. Like, come on. It's just some bullshit, but whatever. Yeah, well, I get to float while I'm seatbelted in. But, Great. <laughs> but this actually, you know, Logan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you set up the episode for us uh, because I'm not just talking about Bezos and rockets for no reason. We actually have the introduction really? of a very important device in the universe here that makes the entire having belters thing possible so 
go ahead and like catch us up real quick if you can as far as like where we've been because it's been we've been on vacation for a bit yeah we've been on vacation and so the way the last episode ended was eros went into venus because miller uh knowing that he was already dead uh walked into basically the center of eros where julie or at least the protomolecule version of Julie was there and was clearly controlling Eros, even though she wasn't mm-hmm. aware of it. And so Miller essentially, it, what she was trying to do was she was going home. In her mind, she was going home. But yeah. in doing so, that was going to kill everybody <laughs> on Earth. And yes. Miller had to convince her that just, Julie, you can't go home. There is no home for you. Let's go somewhere else. And so the uh, Aero Station changed course because Miller convinced her to. And they disappeared beneath the atmosphere of Venus. And that is kind of where we've left off. Um, A side note is uh, the... uh, the UN shot, uh, what was it, 150 or so, 120 or so missiles. Planet busters. And yes. Yeah, like big-ass missiles. Like, like not, these... just, not just like nuclear bombs, but like massive, powerful nuclear bombs. Just absolute fuck-you ordinance. And yeah. that is now currently traveling through space. They sent an abort code, and we're going to learn more about that in a minute. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah. I so... think that's about it. That that that's a no, I, think I think that's, that's a really a good, good summary. Yeah. So where where we're going to start now is uh, touching off of what you said a, a moment ago, Squirrel. We're going to learn about how it is that the mechanics of all of this really came to be, and so we're going to jump into the story of one tinkering engineer who uh, really fucked up his math. Um, in a, in a way that was really good for his long-term fortunes and really bad for his, shall we say, uh, short-term prospects uh, because it does not work out well for him during his first test flight um, of his new drive. Uh, his name is Epstein, uh, no relation, and uh, we're going to go ahead and hop in and uh, see, see, uh, see what happened there. So here we go. I'd been modifying the engine to boost fuel efficiency. I wasn't expecting much, maybe 4% better tops, and I was taking it out for a test run. Commence pre-flight check. Commence pre-flight check. Flash the fucking BIOS! The interface had been problematic You have obviously never owned a user. The original owner was Chinese, so... I turned the damn thing off. I have owned these cars before. Thank you very much. Also, why rest, didn't he just I learn guess. the Chinese words for like this stop history. or turn off? <laughs> <laughs> like, why didn't you just bring a little note card with him with like four key phrases in Chinese? Just, just like, shout, Buhao, Buhao, Buhao. This symbol keeps you from dying. Press it when you need to. <laughs> no, no, you don't. You don't write the symbol down. You write the phonetic like. Solomon Every time Epstein. I watch these scenes, I just keep thinking of that flat earther guy who built a rocket to prove that it was flat, and then and then no, no. it didn't go well for him. 
No, that's the thing is that guy didn't build the rocket to prove the earth was flat. He built the rocket to build a fucking rocket and they couldn't get funding. So his second round of trying to get funding was to say, we're going to prove that the earth is flat by launching this rocket. So it was just, it was him trying to get his grit some extra legs. Like he didn't care a fuck about, uh, about what? it until Grifters his first launch grifting? didn't get funding. And then he was like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we're going to prove the earth is flat. Sure. Give, sure. Give me money to prove the earth is flat with a rocket. And now um, he's flat. Yeah. Well, but Chris, so what? What happened here? Like, what? What happened with uh, with Solomon Epstein here? Uh, all right. So basically, the 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 version of of this that you get from the story, if you keep watching all of it, I don't. I don't. Do we have more clips of it? Or we don't. We... Yes, we do have more clips. But just explain, like, here what's going on. All right. So what what's what's happened is he bought a used spaceship because this is what you do at the, you know, the mid 2300s. Uh, he uh, basically is choosing to invest in this tinkering hobby of his rather than uh, starting a family as all good Martians are supposed to do. He could have been having sex instead of this. He could, he, I think he probably was having both, but he could have been having sex with the resultant child coming out of the, uh, the womb as it was, uh, as he was supposed to do as a good little Martian. Um, but instead, he was opting to uh, spend his time and money on his hobby, uh, tinkering with the spaceship. And uh, turns out that he uh, basically created the drive technology that allowed for humanity to uh, do much, much more than just have a bare bones uh, colony on Mars and instead create a full network of resource extraction from the entire outer system uh and 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 to you know mine the wealth of the belt and create this uh three class system uh that we see in 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 the entire you know the story of of everything going on in the expanse like it is because yeah. of his drive that you are able to get from earth to mars in less than nine months uh, it's because of his drive that you're able to get. I mean, I, presumably before his drive, they were able to get there faster than nine months. But like that's you're going hard if you're doing that anyway. But like his drive makes it so that the whole thing can happen in a few days. Um, well, and also you can you can take enough fuel with you because yeah. that's the other thing It's like if you want to go travel to the belt and back, like it's a long way from yes. Earth to the belt let, and Mars to the belt is also very far. Well, and if you're going to fly around the belt looking for resources, then you also have to do a return trip. Yeah. Or, and if you're going to be out there living on the belt, like yeah. that's a whole other thing. So having enough fuel, like right now we could get somebody to Mars. They just never come back from Mars. Cor cor correct. Um, and th thank you for that, uh, that, that very important detail. Um, I mean, the same thing is true. You could you could also launch somebody from back then. You could launch somebody from Mars to the belt, um, but they would just be coasting for most of it. And if they're just coasting yeah. for most of it, they're going very, very slowly. And that means they need more fuel uh, for the humans. So you need more food, more water, more all of the things that uh, are hard to have in space. So it, yeah. it really did open up the gateway for the settling of all of the, you know, the major and minor planetary bodies within the system. It allowed for the, you know, the creation of the, the, the breadbasket on Ganymede, uh, which is the, the farming community, the farming outpost that is literally how like all of the people 
that don't live on earth are fed. And yeah. it, it, it's absolutely wild. Like what it really enabled in terms of the expansion of human civilization uh, beyond the realm of just earth and Mars. And it, also it's all just possible a- because of this drive. And the the Jovian system just in and of itself, like, is a system. Like, Mm. Jupiter has so many fucking moons, it's basically a solar system in and of itself. If you want to read a really fun book, read The Algebraist, um, which is all about this alien civilization that just lives around a gas giant and how you could have an entire civilization. There's actually a civilization of aliens that live in the gas giant because it's so absolutely massive. Nobody knows what they're up to because <laughs> there's so many layers. It's basically a, a small sun in and of itself. And it's got hundreds of moons around it that you can colonize. And so when you're talking about like Ganymede, like Ganymede, as it orbits around Jupiter, could be way fucking the far out there on the other side from Mars, which is going to be impossible to reach pre-Epstein technology. And then suddenly it gets within reach. But let's let's now uh, uh, warp back to Earth, as it were, uh, and talk about the fallout from Eros, because uh, Earth is kind of locked in this simmering, now simmering, it's no longer a cold war. It's like a simmering war with Mars. It's about to get really, really hot. And so... The people, you know, here on in present day dystopia, the only reason we have like space programs is because back in the day they realized, you know, flying a B-24 stratofortress over a country with like some decent jets is probably a bad way to deliver a (laughs) nuclear bomb. A better way to deliver a nuclear bomb is to strap strap it to a rocket and drop it on you from space. And they're like, well, you know, if we can do that, we could probably also get to the moon just to prove those engines work well. Yeah. So it, it was also uh, it was also an opportunity to let those Nazi scientists, you know, really cut yeah. loose and do their thing. Uh, Project hey, Paperclip and all that fun hey, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but every uh, time <laughs> here on here, yeah, I mean here on Earth, um, here on Earth, we're uh, the the uh, UNN is uh, now freaking the fuck out because. Yeah. Uh, Eros just violated the laws of physics. It may have been some Martian super weapon that is going to render all of their technology and weapons obsolete. And so they're trying to figure out what the new balance of power looks like in the solar system. So How let's, could it not let's head be? to the situation room. <laughs> For sure. Eros was a wake-up call. Whatever it was, guy, it's man. clearly the greatest technological leap since the Epstein drive. He's not the worst. And if it is a weapon, given the depleted state of our missiles, it's a weapon that will conclusively right. tilt the balance of power ah, in favor of Mars. ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah yeah but eros was was more than just like oh wow that's interesting a yeah. giant space rock just violated the laws of physics everyone on earth is like wait if we don't have this technology we're pretty fucked how are we going to win this war and so something that was completely unrelated to human interests or human war is now driving them towards war because uh we're monkeys that lost all their hair and never quite lost that sensibility of tribal tribal vengeance but that was that it's not completely accurate like one of the things is that the goal of uh mao and his cronies was to destabilize like the the goal was to create a new weapon that would be the balance changing uh, element in all of this. So like this does the, like, sure the, the, but that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't what Eros was for. Eros was to see what the fuck it does. They didn't, correct. they didn't under, they weren't trying to rep weaponize it that way. 
but they did achieve their goal of destabilizing the the status quo. <laughs> they they uh, they unintentionally succeeded beyond their wildest dreams when it comes to <laughs> pushing things to the breaking point. Um, yeah. But so while all of that chaos is uh, unfolding, we have back on the Rosinante, we have some uh, some other kinds of simmering things going on. Uh, more of the simmering in the bedroom uh, when it comes <laughs> to Holden and Naomi. And uh, there has been a decision that they made. That and they how that might upset the balance of power on the ship. <laughs> all these parallels. It's crazy. <laughs> Here we go. So in the interests of the smooth operations of this vessel and the morale of this crew, I just wanted to let you know that Naomi and I are together, so sleeping together. When did it start? Just after we got out of Eros. I knew it. I told you, arrows, did I say? Yeah, oh, some yeah. Batman. Give me that arm. Yeah, I can't believe I agreed to this. All right, go ahead, take a shot. What the hell was that? That's because I like you, brother. You said it was a punch. I know, I didn't want to hurt you. What's it? Hey, I'm glad that me and her being together isn't an issue for you. Oh, no. Oh, no. She's a good person, and I like her, but she's like a sister to me. Right. Oh. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd do her if she let me. <laughs> Amos. Amos. Oh, Amos. Let's talk. Good talk. Fuck. <laughs> Amos just, he gets down to brass tacks. You can't argue with the man. <laughs> just, it's, it's shirt sleeve wisdom. Yeah, that it, uh, that it is. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, um, hooray. Everything is, everything is copacetic on the Rosinante. No real issues to be had. They're all getting along just fine. Uh, embracing each other after the near death experiences that they repeatedly go through every few well, months. Also, I, I think this does point to something that I do want to touch on is James Holden's like one of his shortcomings as a leader is he's very empathetic but he's very bad at figuring out what other people are actually feeling. And so he assumed that this would be a big revelation, whereas, you know, half of his crew was taking bets on when they started fucking. They already knew. They didn't care. They were just using it as a fun and games, and he thought it would be some serious, big, like, revelation to them, and they would have to, like, have a big sit-down. And it turns out it doesn't really matter. And James Holden kind of does that repeatedly throughout, you know, the series, is his attempts to do what is right and what he feels is right is often out of step with everyone around him because he's very out of step with everyone around him. Being raised by eight parents to be a leader and an ethically upstanding human being puts him sort of removed from most of society. And so really? I think this is kind of a micro-political view of that. <laughs> well, and, that's, and that also kind of parallels Naomi because she also thought that this had to be taken very seriously because, you know, we we don't know her exact past, but at some point she was with the OPA. Now she's not. Now she's kind of back in. She doesn't really know where her foundation of, you know, knowledge and experience really is. And so she also finds herself a little out of step with the rest of the world. Meanwhile, Amos and Alex are putting bets down on whether or not they're banging. Yep. Yep. But now to, to hop back to what you mentioned at the top, Logan, uh, them missiles. Yeah, those missiles, though. <laughs> and so what's happening here? 
So, uh, is is this where where we finally do find out completely? Uh, sort of, yeah, it's yeah. The, it's the net. I mean, pretty much. It, yeah, it's just yeah, a, the net, the net. Okay. So, what we are finding out is that when those abort uh, codes were sent to the missiles that were meant to be shot at Eros, that turned out to not work at all. Uh, not all of those missiles received the abort code. In fact, uh, somebody. Uh, it was drummer and Fred Johnson. Uh, somebody blocked those abort codes so that they could take about 30 of those missiles and just very quietly take them and put them into their stockpiles. Yep. And the way that they caught it, I just think is nifty is they just got a big space net. We're just going to catch them all in a big space net. But big space net is like, Belter 101. Like, this is yeah, what they yeah. do when it comes to collecting, you know, chunks of asteroid. When you're mining an asteroid, you blow it up and you make it into a bunch of little bits and then you wrap it in a net. Like, what it's exactly really... that benefits you is utterly beyond me because you've just now made it harder to bring yep. it with you. But more importantly, um, you could. <sighs> From a physics perspective, um, <laughs> oh no, no, it's okay. So you know when Diogo was with his uncle Mateo, and right. uh, they blew up, they they were blowing up that asteroid, right? So realistically, any asteroid of that scale isn't going to just be a rock. It's going to be a big old pile of dust made of pebbles and slightly larger pebbles. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be one giant block of granite floating through space. It's it's basically if you push on it, like if you could you could detonate it by punching it, it will then go and parts of it will go flying out. Like it's not it's not exactly glued together in a very meaningful way. So the idea of blowing it up and catching it in a net, it's just like. Well, I mean, you could just catch it in the net and leave it the way it is, and then you're going to lose less of it, maybe, versus, like, let's blow it up and see what happens. Belters <laughs> don't care about your nerd talk. <laughs> we are about action. Blow it up and see nets what happens. That we have had since whenever our ancestors were on the deadliest catch. We take our nets and we do shit with them. That's who we are. Uh, but yes, yeah, so they they catch they catch the uh, it it makes a lot of sense for catching um, catching missiles. I mean, if you get the missiles to stop flying and you want to bring them all together and just you know take them with you, sure. But when it comes to actually extracting resources from an asteroid, it just anyway. I it's digress. real good for gently slowing the inertia of those missiles so that they don't go boom, eh, and then fair. they can them. Fair. Uh, so. But let's uh, let's hop uh, back to Earth and uh, Officer Ola. And I forget the doctor's name. I'm really I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, I'm gonna Google it in a second, but not not Janos? right now. But they, it is. It is. Ah. No, um, I thought that was the military doctor. Oh, the military you're right. No, it's yeah, Janus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Okay, I was thinking you were talking about Janus. Sorry, you're no, talking no, no, about no, no. the other ex-boyfriend. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. Australian. Um, but so uh, he and Avasarala <laughs> sit down to name. have some have some dinner. 
uh, to talk about uh, what's going on with Eros. And for the first time, the uh, I mean, the first time on Earth, as far as we know, the people in power are actually considering the idea that, like, this might be extrasolar. This might be something beyond our comprehension. And I very much enjoy Officer Alla's reaction. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's pretty good. This is one of the best lines in the whole series. But um, it's also kind of fun because we get to see, you know, who Avasarala's type is, uh, because this is uh, pretty clearly an ex-boyfriend, right? Or am I yeah. just reading into it? Or, or maybe just a love interest. Eh, her type. Here we go. Your station yeah. was under quarantine, the result of a, of a mysterious bioweapon unleashed by Mars, which Mars believes was unleashed by us, which we did oh. not. Did we? We did not. Oh, I never doubted that for a moment. Suddenly, I really like this the guy. entire asteroid moves in a way that practically defies every single known law of physics. Now, Janus thinks that means there's a new Martian weapon, some staggering breakthrough on an incredible scale of a technology they've been pursuing utterly unsuccessfully for years. But ask yourself this question. Does it make any sense at all that Mars would want to test their groundbreaking technology in a biohazard zone? that they themselves created. I suppose not. So what if this bioweapon isn't a bioweapon after all? What if it is responsible in some way we can't yet fully understand for Eros moving? I believe Eros was infected by an entirely new order of technology, something from somewhere else, somewhere beyond the reach of our species. I believe the Eros incident was our first contact with alien life. I have a file with 900 pages of analysis and contingency plans for war with Mars, including 14 different scenarios about what to do if they develop an unexpected new technology. My file for what to do if an advanced alien species comes calling. It's three pages long, and it begins with... Step one, find God. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yep. It's and so I gotta say, good. I, found, I found that one particularly interesting given the uh, recent chatter around UFOs based on some very grainy, ambiguous videos that could be pretty much fucking anything. And a lot of people being like, aha, that proves aliens. And you're like, and it proves that we have a lot of grainy videos and fuck knows what. Um, yeah. No, but this person said a thing. Oh, and that's why eyewitness testimony is so readily believed in the courts nowadays. But I digress. Well, uh, okay, uh, so really quick before we move on, I got to say that that scientist honestly is probably one of my favorite characters in this entire series. Yes. I love everything about him. He is fantastic, and he goes out in a perfect blaze of glory, and we'll get to that in another episode, but man, he's just great. <laughs> I, I am always just a fan of a scientist who has a sense of humor and a sense of poetry, and just understanding, yes, we will get into the nerd shit, but also we have to understand why that nerd shit is awesome. And yeah. As compared that, to Janice, who is just a fucking... <laughs> just, just always just... <sighs> he always just seems tired, and he always just seems like he wants to go home. <laughs> he does. That's exactly correct. 
Well, uh, he has a he has a line in here where he says it's my job to explain science to policymakers, and clearly that's not um, not a rewarding job. You know, it's I, not. I, it's, I, you, know, you can look at you can look at any any climate scientist alive today, and they yeah. will probably share that at commiseration. I don't Absolutely. blame him for being the way he is. I'm just saying it's it's miserable. It is absolutely. <laughs> it's miserable, miserable to watch. <laughs> So back to uh, to Miller. Yes, uh, well, sort of to Miller. We're going, uh, we're going to Tycho Station, uh, and we're kind of seeing what's uh, what's come out of Arrow Station and what's uh, what's happening with the mythology building, um, and what's uh, what how the OPA is capitalizing on what happened on Arrows. <sighs> Here we go. With his final words, he said to me, "You are the future." I think words. I think Diogo meant those were his final words to Diogo. Yeah, I think well, that was the you know he was saying goodbye to me, and this was what he told me. So. But to be fair, in Diogo's mind, everything revolves around Diogo, like straight up. It does though. Like, <laughs> look at like Logan's whole universe revolves around Diogo. <laughs> he sucks so bad, and it's so fun to watch. <laughs> He sucks so bad. He's and it's hilarious. He's absolutely terrible. But his yeah. uncle but Mateo Paul, died. Oh yeah, he wanted yeah, me Paul to become still. a warrior. But so I want to say, like, a props on the artwork. There, it's not too bad. It makes Miller look way more badass than he is. Yeah. Um. I mean, even I think the show even uh, pays the the physical characteristics of Miller a lot more compliments than the book does. Because in the book, he looks like haggard as fuck, and he's basically an alcoholic, and he's this gigantic, you know, lanky belter whose body will collapse under the gravity of his home planet. And he just, he doesn't look like a healthy guy who's having a fun time in life. I mean, and in this one, he looks like he's, you know, coming straight out of the latest Marvel movie. To be fair, the, like, Miller season one looked exactly, I mean, he wasn't a super tall and lanky one. But he did look like absolute shit often. And uh, his love interest back on the on the back on the police force uh, reminded him of that uh, at every possible opportunity and asked him whether or not he was eating. So, yeah, I mean, but yes, this the the muralist uh, definitely took some liberties and, uh, you know, made made sure to make him larger than life in every possible way. But uh, yeah. Oh, Diogo, you piece of shit, you. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, we're also, we're going to we're gonna stay on Tycho Station for a bit. I called it Tycho Station earlier. I meant Tycho Station. <laughs> uh, we're going to stay on Tycho Station and just check in real quick with Cortazar because he's still banging around. And he's kind of one of these subplots that just sticks around and, like, you know he's going to be important at some point, but you're not really sure how he's going to be important. And he's another sort of victim of circumstance, like, had a shitty life, literally had uh, a wealthy corporation burn the shitty part of his brain out of his head so he could just do the fun well, science stuff. Well, I mean, we get more about that next episode where he talks about the actual experience of having that shitty bit of his life burned out of his mm -hmm. brain. But yeah, yeah no, he, he's, he's, I mean, he's a willing participant 
in all of that. Like he, he wants to do the science for the sake of the science and he doesn't have any, uh, vestigial, you know, weaknesses like empathy. Uh, it, 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 it he does genuinely exhibit, he exhibit, he probably exhibited some mild sociopathy before, uh, they melted his brain with a magnet, but now mm-hmm. he genuinely has literally no capacity for empathy whatsoever. It, it, none, nothing matters to him beyond the goal of do like figuring out what the hell is going on with the proto molecule. It's, it's. It's yeah, there there terrifying. were no heroes. There were no heroes on either side of this transaction. No, not at all. But anyway, we can. Uh, yeah. You 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 take the lead. <laughs> yeah. So we'll uh, so we'll stay again for this next clip. We're gonna stay on uh, on uh, Tycho Station. We're gonna be on Tycho Station just for a yeah. for a minute. Um, but Naomi comes up with a really good idea as far as like what oh, they yeah. need to do as far as letting the rest. Because, like, the Belters kind of know the story, you know. Um, the the Chisme makes its way around the belt, but they want to make sure that the Inners also know what's going on because Earth has no fucking clue what's happening. You know, it, the light delay between the belt and Earth is, is I think, several minutes in this. I think, in, in reality, it would probably be a couple of hours, right, to get from, uh, like, Tycho Station, which is, like, the Lagrange point by Jupiter. I mean, it's, I don't actually, they don't ever really tell you where Tycho is in the, in the movie or in the series. Um, but it, it's, it's beyond Jupiter is, it's, is where it's at. Really? Whoa. Yeah. It's, it's a Lagrange point and it's a Lagrange point. Maybe it's a Lagrange point between Mars and Jupiter, but it's pretty far fucking out Damn. there. Uh, that is very far out there. Cause to Mars, it's like 19 or 20 minutes, uh, depending, I yeah. mean, it's, this is the thing is it always depends on where the planet, where the bodies are in relation to one another. Everything is constantly changing because you're all in perpetual motion. Uh, well, not perpetual motion. Perpetual no, motion. Chris, they're all, they have the little wires that connect them and they all go around at no, the exact same rate. I remember this from works. elementary school. <laughs> my, my teacher told me that. So it had to be true. Your teacher also told you Pluto was a planet. It <laughs> was. <dare> <laughs> It technically was at the time. I mean, yeah, fair enough. But anyway. I saw I saw an interesting thing that said uh, Pluto hasn't made one full rotation of the uh, of the solar system since it was discovered. And somebody said, yeah, I wouldn't finish my job either if they if they. <laughs> <laughs> but we're up to Fred and Naomi. Uh, yeah. So she can sell him on this idea for uh, some some uh, intrastellar marketing. Yep. PR. I think we should let people know about Miller and Julie Mao. Not all the details. Nothing about the protomolecule, just about them. A belter. And an earther who was an OPA member that sacrificed themselves to save the cradle of humanity. The inners need to hear that. You're going to turn them into a story. A love story. Might help cool things down a bit. Because narrowly avoiding an extinction level event apparently wasn't enough. I want people to know about no, Miller. It was not enough. He was a good man. He was a pain in the ass suicidal ex-cop who got the job done. Okay, I'll do it. You and that's how we it. end up with the legend of Julie Mao and... Uh, and uh, Detective Miller, which I think is just kind of a cool little, you know, uh, aside and just kind of a fun one to see 
um, as far as how that story gets out, um, because you don't see a whole lot of that happening, but you know that people are aware of it, and it's just kind of fun. That I also think it's silly that Naomi's the one that came up with that, because I think Fred uh, would have, in his mind, immediately known what to do, and the OPA clearly knew what to do. Like, Diogo didn't have the brilliant idea to go give that speech by himself. You know, Anderson Dawes was like, hey, guess what you're going to do now? You're going to go rally the troops. You're going to go tell this story and create Belcher pride. That This isn't, but the, well, he well, hasn't I, What I absolutely love is, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was just going to say, yeah. uh, Diogo hasn't really met Anderson Dawes yet. He does that later. Um, so that was, I think that was definitely like a Fred thing or other people gassing him up. I don't, I mean, I definitely don't believe that Diogo has it within him uh, to, to do anything strategic ever. Um, but the Anderson Dawes connection, uh, happens next episode. Yeah, fair enough. But it was somebody within the OPA that was like, go, go do that. But Logan, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say is like, even though, um, Anderson isn't directly connected to all this, you can feel that he's doing things. You can feel the strings being pulled. He is absolutely the puppet master in the belt, um, in every possible Mm -hmm. way. So and, uh, next clip. Yeah, let's con- yeah, let's continue with some of the drama between uh, Alex and Amos, which is kind of an ongoing thing throughout the series. And one of the reasons I dislike Alex just as a character, like I just never, you know, in, in the books, like I understand that's his character. It's like he's this flawed, never quite measures up to his own estimations of himself, unable to deal with his insecurities, uh, easily triggered by this stuff, always wanting to see himself as more capable than he actually is. Um, but it also, I just find him fucking annoying and that's, and, and I'm just not a fan of his character. And so this is one of the times that bubbles over with Amos, who is the opposite because Amos is just like, you know what? We're all in the churn. And if I die, then so be it. Like that was the meaning was whatever it was. It doesn't matter. Whereas Alex wants to see some greater purpose to his life, some better moral and ethical character in himself that he's ever able to articulate or act out. It's also just emblematic of the fact that one of them has a fucking sense of humor and the other one doesn't like yeah. straight up. Well, and so. also Amos is an Amos is an earther. And like, that's one reason yeah. he didn't punch Alex is Alex's uh, weak Martian bones would crumble under the assault. Also, also probably due to the fact that Amos has at least like 80 pounds on him, so <laughs> would just crush him. <laughs> Here we go. We are this close to getting rid of it once and for all. We should kill it, drive it into the goddamn sun. Oh, I'm sorry. This was a different one. Oh, I'm it sorry. is a different one. Yep. Yeah. It's the only way. About the uh, molecule missile that they still have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And copy and paste my analysis to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the clip about Naomi uh, lying to everyone, uh, claiming that the sample of the proto molecule is going to be destroyed by flying it into the sun. Which, by the way, why the fuck did uh, Miller not convince right. Julie to fly the asteroid into the sun? Um, because the proto molecule needed to go right somewhere. Remember, it, it was I the work know. thing. Her, she was. Com- she was being compelled to take the protomolecule to a place where it could do whatever it's trying to do. So know, you need to find a happy compromise. Saying fly yourself into the sun to an organic being that doesn't want to commit suicide Correct. is not going to be the winning argument. Yeah. It's done. Well, yeah. also, this is... <laughs> side note, this it's is done. circulation. 
And she's lying to her mother. Yeah. There it goes. And the missile never moved. She just Beep. left it out there where they originally set it amongst the rocks of the belt um, for later, which I actually, I think is, uh, A, it's a huge betrayal, but B, it was the, the smart thing to do. Like that that would be it stupid to destroy that, which yeah. is to loop back to our, our opening discussion, why Project Paperclip existed. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so uh, speaking of uh, our opening discussions on all of these things, uh, we're going to cut back now to our good friend uh, Epstein, no relation, and the fact that uh, he is a goddamn moron and doesn't know how to configure his used vehicle properly before setting out and doing a testing of uh, all his stuff. He's he's. In, in He's in here. his defense, he thought he was stupider than he was. You know, mean, in his defense, he didn't think he was going to succeed this hard. To be fair, that just means he's stupider in a different way than he thought he was. Like, turns out he's really good at engineering in terms of figuring out how to make things more efficient. He's also really bad at doing the math to make an estimate as to just how good he was at making things more efficient. Like he has. Oh, I thought it was just going to be four percent, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, here he is. Maybe you see it coming. <laughs> Maybe it surprises you. But in a sustained die. burn, what usually kills you is a stroke. That's terrifying. I'm lying there on my deathbed. All I could think about was what happens next. I'd never give Katie a child, but she had the plans for my drive. They'd make her rich for the rest of her life. Because with my drive, the Epstein drive, Mars would be able to move outward. Mine the asteroids, colonize the belt, and remake the solar system. My drive would give us the edge we needed to finally break free from Earth and build a new world for ourselves. That's the wonderful and terrible thing about technology. It changes everything. <laughs> now in the in the show, those scenes come pretty close to each other. I think there's a commercial break between them in the broadcast, but there's a reason those those two scenes are right like that, because the protomolecule, the greatest technological advance that humanity has ever been introduced to uh, has changed everything no matter what. Like getting rid of the protomolecule doesn't put it back in the bottle. Um, the belief that the, the Rossinanti crew has that they're the only people, the only people who have protomolecule in the solar system may not in fact be correct. And what? So another reason you don't just like destroy the thing that you have if it's a really important thing. And so maybe you hang on to Pandora's box. Maybe there's a reason you, you leave it sitting on the mantle. I mean, you already know that it's extrasolar in nature. Like, they didn't... Are, are you sure that they only fired one? Are you sure that they only sent one? Are you sure, James? <laughs> uh, James Holden, you goddamn moron. Anyway, um, so now... now Jump out to uh, Ganymede, and Chris, I'll let you take this because this concerns uh, the 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 Martians, the Dusters. You 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 silly silly dust beaten people. Bobby Draper, 
<laughs> Bobby fucking rules. Uh, Bobby rules much harder in later seasons, but Bobby yes. does rule now too. Uh, anyway, the side note, why the fuck do none of them have data recorders on their suits? They like, no, they, they just, do. No, no, they, do. they don't. And according to the show, they don't, they are either that no, or everything do. got they, corrupted. They, they do. When we, when we end up at the, that scene later on where they talk about this, they said we couldn't recover most of the data. Well, they say that they, the they feeds very specifically were cut. say that they talk no, about the, feeds. They also, no, no, but they also say that they couldn't recover most of the data from the suit because it was also, so badly destroyed. They were also but also probably the Martians. But yeah. yeah, the Martians probably wiped it. Like, there's a reason that, like, you know, if a Blackhawk crashes somewhere in a war zone, we send a whole team of operators to go blow it up. Like, yeah. Blackhawk down. Wait, what? Huh? Oh, um, yeah, okay. Exactly. So anyway. Um, we are now on the moon of Ganymede. Uh, so Ganymede is a moon around Jupiter. Uh, and in the Expanse universe, Ganymede has been established because it has, um, I believe it has an ionosphere, right? Yeah. Is that what they say? So it has the ability. It also has, it also has water on it. Yeah. So it, it basically, it, it works out as a an ideal place to set up a, um, you know, a, a farming colony. Uh, so they they can't terraform it in the way that Mars is trying to be terraformed by the Martians. Uh, they instead do what makes a lot of sense on a place like Ganymede. Uh, you know, it's a low gravity situation. You uh, build a big old dome uh, and you put stuff underneath it. And then what they've like, also like done is... Like that Polly Shore movie. Uh... <laughs> what the fuck was the name of that one? Biodome. Uh, Biodome. Biodome, yes, thank you. Uh, and I, I gotta say, Biosphere 2, uh, based in Arizona, I used to go there all the time in middle school to go look at it, and you'd have to be like a quarter mile back, and they're like, see that thing off in the distance? That's the future of humanity. And then it turns out they were all fucking in, uh, strategizing how to murder each other, because that's what happens when you put people in domes, Chris. It's bad. Uh, anyway, so this dome, uh, these domes uh, sitting on Ganymede are actually... Uh, they're, they're part of the equation. The other part of the equation is making sure that you have enough solar energy down there on that rock to actually grow some crops because they are very far away from the sun. They're significantly further away than uh, Mars is, and Mars gets fuck all for sunlight. So what they've done is they've basically put solar mirrors up in orbit around Ganymede that are, are, are focusing and intensifying the solar uh, input onto these domes, which is enabling the uh, agridomes, I believe is what they call them, on Ganymede mm -hmm. to function as the breadbasket for the uh, basically everything outside of Earth. Um, I think in, that includes Mars, although I, but I believe Mars also does have a lot of like food production on it. They don't really go into yeah. too much detail in the series, but uh, it, it's it's but, an incredibly even then, important way, resource. You know, human trade. Uh, is a weird thing where like the U.S. grows a fuck ton of soybeans and yet we still import a fuck ton of soybeans. Yeah, so it's weird. We also grow way more corn than anyway. Um, every, every, corn, everything. There's corn, corn in everything. There, it, yeah, yes, but also all new corn growth, uh, the expansion of the the corn market. Everything for the last, I think it's like 20 years or so, is entirely uh, converted into ethanol. And so, or, or cellulose, 
I mean, like for packaging and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, well, but that's like a super small, like the ethanol is like the overwhelming majority yeah. of it. But the, the, um, the point here is that corn is bad folks. Uh, we should stop growing corn. Um, no, the, Chris, the, the summary is that the, the natives would call it maize. And in conclusion, Ganymede is a land of contrasts. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that, that works. <laughs> See, your, Simpsons, your lack of Simpsons knowledge is showing, Chris. It does. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so on Ganymede, uh, Bobby Draper and her crew are on farm patrol, as they like to call it, uh, when they see something off in the distance. So the uh, there's some chaos going off on in the distance. Well, real um, quick, maybe you can explain why they've got this. Like, is there oh. a DMZ here? What's what's happening? Because you uh, kind of set it up with like Earth and Mars have like ag domes there. So yeah. again, it seems like they both have demarcated military control. Exactly. So it's 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 a joint. So they they both have control over at least some portion of the moon. Um, so they both just, you know, regularly have their troops patrolling this space because what could possibly go wrong with two heavily power, heavily armored superpowers, uh, sharing a very, very tiny strip of land that they, uh, both think should belong to them and they want to murder the other side. Um, so while they're on patrol there, uh, which they, uh, Bobby and her crew think of it as basically a demotion for them that they're, they're being sent far, far away from the front lines to go and, you know, patrol the farms. Uh, it turns out that something is going on and off on the distance, they see, uh, these six UNN Marines charging toward them and the charging toward them is, uh, chaotic and, Bizarre. It throws everyone for a loop. And while they see, as soon as they see this, they immediately are, are being hit with, um, a jam. Oh no, signal. that happens. That happens a little bit later. Um, they're not the, the blues aren't quite on them yet. This is when they first see them and then get pulled back and told yes. like, Hey, back off. Gotcha. Um, and so this is kind of them setting up and then continuing on their patrol. Um, we're going to have a little interstitial here where like, Take everything I said about Amos and Alex, and we're gonna oh, yeah. we're gonna watch that and play yeah, real yeah. quick, and then we have a very long extended scene of what goes down on Ganymede. Yeah. All right. So Let's we're gonna to we're gonna hop back now to uh, the Rosinante, and uh, <sighs> yeah, Amos is funny. Alex is just Alex. Hey, Alex. What the hell are you doing? Fixing the Martian flag. You're defacing it, Picasso. I'm making it accurate. Demos ain't a moon anymore. It's just a bunch of rock. That is not funny. <laughs> Actually, it is. Oh, I disagree. I <laughs> smile every time I walk past it. That's because you are an ignorant asshole. 17 Martians died in that attack. Do you want to do something about it? Go ahead. Take a shot. Hold on a second. Is this your messed up way of telling me you're sorry? Was it messed up? Jesus Christ. You don't even know why I'm mad at you, do you? Yeah, because I took care of that guy who was kicking your ass and I made you look weak. Is that what you think? The way I see it, there's only three kinds of people in this world. Bad ones, ones you follow, and ones you need to protect. But so I'm the one you need to protect, is that right? Yeah, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I had a breaching pod where 25 people get blown to pieces in order to protect you. I'm a big boy, Amos. I fight my own battles. I mean, that's kind of, uh, 
he can't really. He keeps he, he keeps losing fighting his own battles. He keeps getting his ass kicked fighting his own battles. Also, like Amos is the reason why he was able to save the other breaching pod. It's not like you know he he didn't Amos didn't get like kid glove treatment as a result of the way that you know Alex was flying the ship. Amos got the shit beaten out of him trying to hang on for dear life between the hulls. Like, Look, <laughs> men will become ice hauler pilots and then introduced to extrasolar technology rather than go to therapy. <laughs> I'd also, we didn't have this clip of that, that bar fight, but the, I, cause when, after he saved Alex, it's like, what do you live here? Yeah. I got a flat nearby next door is a brothel. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's Amos. That's Amos Burt. He also he well, also he, yeah he, he turns, grew up in that world. But it's also the 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 yeah. woman who was uh, originally started all of this uh, all of that fight uh, is much more interested in Amos. And Amos is like no 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 go talk yeah. to Alex. <laughs> He's just trying oh, to be a pro, show. man. He he yeah. was. And- and like I said, Alex is uh, just racked by insecurities. He's not very good at what he does. He refuses to understand his limitations and see that other people helping him is not a sign of his own weakness, but just the yeah. way that things happen and the way that things go. Uh, and he, he also has a jealousy of Amos that's very misplaced because Amos is like, I am incredibly broken. Like I am, I am <laughs> terminally broken. And yet Alex doesn't perceive that. Alex doesn't see that as the weakness that it is. He sees it as a strength. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Amos, uh, you know, sorry, Alex is, uh, he's a good pilot. He's a very good pilot. He just, uh, oh God, he just needs to shut the fuck up. And <sighs> where's the therapy? Where's the therapy? Yeah. Anyway. Therapy is him getting shit faced in zero G listening to country music. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The whole yeah, Martians is. is Cowboys trope will never not tickle me. Uh, it is pretty funny. Um, so anyway, speaking of Martians, um, let's fly ourselves back to Ganymede and uh, watch as absolute chaos unfurls uh, where the Cold War between Mars and Earth turns into a shooting war above their heads before uh, Bobby and her crew are uh, face-to-face with... Well, they don't know exactly what, but let's let's just watch. Stickman, this is Overwatch. Oh yeah, we're heading into Ganymede's shadow. We will be in visual blackout for the next 48 minutes. Continue patrol and do not linger on the border. This is Stickman One. Understood. What do we have here? It's not one of ours. And it's definitely unarmed. Probably just an unlicensed ag drone from one of the greenhouses. I love Help that she that. wanted to shoot it. <laughs> Honestly, she should have. It might have changed how things went down. String movement on the UN line. Six Marines, about 2.3 clicks out on foot, closing fast. They appear to be charging us. They 
As few of shots as went through that bridge, it was uh, remarkable marksmanship. I mean, those PDCs fire fast. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of of tungsten rounds flying around. You knew things were going to go bad when Sutton started yelling, because he never yells. Well, also all the alarms were going off. Like that all too. of the alarms were going off. definitely caused by UNN uh, gunfire. This clearly bladed weapon style damage that occurred. Well, we'll, we'll, when they get into the investigation on this, you know, they only, you know, they only look at one suit of armor. (laughs) Why would that be, Squirrel? Why, what what happened? (laughs) Oh, that fucking ag drone. Just shot it when you had the chance. But so to, to answer your previous question as to why they call them stickmen, uh, on radio comms, 
you never use your real name. You always use a call sign yeah. because you assume that any radio communications can be intercepted by literally anyone. So even if you're just talking on ham radio, you aren't like, hey, this is Tim. You have a, a call sign that's designated by the FCC and you use that call sign to identify yourself. And in military comms, they do the same thing. You want like an easily identifiable one that's not going to be mixed up with other comms yeah. on your same channel. So Fair. it's just a random name that they picked. You know, well, it's like when you hear, when you hear that, they're above. like, well, yeah, but but when they, you know, Overwatch means a lot of things. Uh, but when you're like, when you're looking at um, a name of uh, uh, like military um, operations and they're like Operation Pugilist Left Hook, whatever. <laughs> Those are randomly generated names. Like the Pentagon has a whole algorithm you run through to pick your random name because you don't really want to give away too much. You don't want to be like Operation <laughs> Fuck Up Iraq for two generations. Operation like Desert Storm One. Two huh? on the nose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's interesting. And then Logan, before we go, I did want to uh, give you a chance because I didn't grab the clip of Avasarala, but I know you wanted to talk about that one a little bit oh, because yeah. uh, Mao is uh. Uh, Jules Pierre Mao is now facing some consequences, and Officer Alla is really bringing the hammer down. So you can talk about that well, a little bit. Yeah. Go go ahead, Chris. What were you... I was going to say that it, it was uh, Jules Pierre Mao is the, is the topic of discussion, but Secretary Aaron Wright is the recipient of the uh, Hell's Fury coming out of Officer Alla, So, I mean, Mao is ostensibly the topic of the discussion, but what Avastarala <laughs> is really talking about is, I know what you've been doing this whole time, and we're going to use Mao as a proxy to let you know what I'm going to fucking do to you. And that was the entire... Yeah, of course, because <laughs> Sadavir is a very stupid man. But just going out there and... and, and when she was just saying, I'm going to unleash hellfire upon them, the thing that stuck to me was the only reason you corporations think that we can't do this is because we public servants are always looking for a payout when we're done working. But I'm not looking, so fuck you. And that was her the entire topic of her discussion. And then as she walks out, she just gives a little look over the shoulder to him as she closes the door and... Obviously, once she closes the door, he immediately shits himself because that's what Aaron Wright does when put under pressure is that he just shits himself and then waits for something magical to happen to him. Yeah. He's such a waste of space. And, Terrible person. And Abbas right. is just amazing. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, he does have a lot more conniving in him than I, I originally gave him credit for. Like, you, you, we mm -hmm. find that out later, but... Um, at this point, he's just a bumbling goddamn idiot. Uh, and it's it's almost painful to watch, but not really. Like, it's you expect that kind of level of incompetence from a top-level bureaucrat. Um, they, they, they can't all be as good at their jobs as Avasarala is. So, yeah. It's a great clip. But so I was... I was going to say, let's uh, let's do our roundup of where everyone uh, is sitting at the end of this episode and get ready to head into the oh. next episode is apparently uh, our simmering war has uh, boiled over all of a sudden. So, Chris, I'm going to go to you because uh, we just saw we just saw Mars take a pretty big L. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, OK, so right now, uh, Mars is absolutely licking their wounds. Um, the, these this has been uh, brutal, like there were a bunch of. Martian Marines on the ground that are now dead. 
Uh, I mean, there are also a bunch of UNN Marines who are also dead. Uh, there's a big uh, kerfuffle going on right now. Nobody really knows what's going on. So there's about to be a big investigation into what went on at Ganymede. Uh, and there's a bunch of blame that's going to be parsed out and around. Um, but yeah, Mars is uh, confused. Mars is trying to figure out what is mm -hmm. going on here. Um, except that... Some members of the Martian uh, leadership are less confused than others. Um, in fact, I would probably go so far as to say that everyone who has decision-making authority on Mars knows exactly what the fuck is going on, and they're not talking about it, because they know more than the viewers do at this point in time. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that as a viewer who has gone through the whole series up to this point, uh, I'm going to leave it at that, of... They have a bunch of conspiratorial assholes at the top level making very bad decisions. Uh, and they're terrible people. And I apologize for that as a Martian. Because some some Martians are bad. Some are really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, Earth is, is pretty much actually in the same position. Uh, perhaps yeah. even more worse off than Mars because... Their most powerful asset when it comes to projecting soft power is their corporations, the corporatocracy that they uphold. And the corporatocracy is attempting a coup d'etat and uh, <laughs> apparently succeeding at this coup d'etat. Uh, and so the fallout is going to be bad no matter what. Like upsetting the existing order always works out pretty terribly, but there's no putting the genie back in the bottle by any stretch, you know? They just lost half of their nuclear arsenal that is technically for defense. Uh, they almost got the entire planet wiped out by a speeding space rock. And uh, the powers that be, the people who actually run the planet, are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. Uh, they're trying to get a handle on the situation. They're getting ready to launch a mission out to Venus to figure out what the hell is going on and hopefully begin to get some answers and bring things under control, all while a uh, solar system-wide war is, going, is breaking out. And this simmering, you know, centuries-long Cold War is now coming to a head, and that's going to end very, very poorly for a lot of people. And uh, Logan, uh, wrap us up with the belt. Belters are having a party because they <laughs> saved the system. <laughs> they got themselves a bunch of missiles. So now with Fred Johnson, he knows that he has the ability to have force projection so the belters can respond if there is any threats to them. Also, like he is or when asked about those tools, he can use them as a bargaining chip. So the belters are sitting pretty right now because they, you know, obviously, you know, rest in peace to Eros. But for the remainder of the belt, they are in a very strong position right now. And uh, Anderson Dawes, uh, we're going to see how he feels about all yeah, yeah very I think that's a good wrap up. Yep. All right. Well, uh, I guess, we, do we know when we're going to be back up here to talk about the next episode? Uh, we'll see. Uh, my <laughs> schedule is very fluid, but hopefully uh, next Friday. Hopefully um, next we'll Friday. see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll, we'll plan on it. We'll put a pin in that, uh, and then hopefully we can keep to that. Uh, it, Playing it's gonna... it by ear. I love yeah, uh, my like I said, my schedule is pretty brutal for the first few months of this employment. So 
whenever they tell me to work, I pretty much just have to hop in the ambulance and go to work. So I mean, it is what it is, uh, and uh, we appreciate the fact that you're 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 doing this. And this is this is a fun little fun little way to start the weekend. Uh, yeah. For yep. for me and uh, and Logan, I'd say so. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. Um, yeah. We'll be back here next week or the week after or sometime. Um, sometime. And we'll yeah, continue sometime. working our way through the uh, the rest, the end of season two of uh, The Expanse. Uh, you know, it is it stops being a sci-fi original here soon and uh, moves yeah. on over to Amazon. And uh, yeah, it's this is just uh, this is just lots of fun. So. Thank yeah. you, everyone. And I for will say, in. when we yep. when we get the when we get the ownership change, when we get the production change. Oh my God, do the production values increase? Like it is, yeah. it is, it is very good. Like it, it was definitely <laughs> a good change. Uh, Bezos be damned for many things, but Amazon Studios has, has made what? some quality content. Having money for the project yeah. makes it better. What? <laughs> Everyone's homework assignment, by the way, is to go watch Bo Burnham's Inside uh, yeah. because it's very good, and you must go watch it, especially the song "Welcome to the Internet." Uh, but other than that, I, I, I will yet. make I'll one promise. Uh, we are somehow, some way, and we'll probably have to rejigger schedules for this, but we are going to do uh, the fifth season when it comes out. We're going to do those on time, even if that means jumping ahead a little bit. But since those so are going to be brand new episodes, when those come out in December or January of this coming year, uh, we're going to be here doing that. So watch along with us, folks. Uh, have yourselves a lovely weekend. Enjoy the weather. Try not to melt. And uh, if you're vaccinated, you can leave that mask in your pocket until you have to go into a store or on a bus or anything like that. You know, have fun, but but be smart. Like COVID's not gone. COVID's not gone yet. Yep. And if you can uh, throw some water bottles in the freezer and uh, take them out to go hand out to our unhoused neighbors, because this heat is fucking brutal. And uh, it's it's a lot worse when you don't have anywhere to get to. But I'm, I'm hoping that people are going to start being able to actually use the cooling shelters this year. Uh, cooling well, Chris, centers. some people, all five some of people, them. Yeah. some people think that this is the hottest year ever. But I like to think it's the coolest year yet. Oh, God damn it. It's probably true. <laughs> Happy oh, Friday! So <laughs> Happy <All right>. Friday! <laughs> Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Later.